today we're going to share a message entitled Building God's House. Would you say those three words with me? Building God's House. Uh, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I will build my church. And uh, he's doing that here at Bayside, churches across Melbourne, Australia, around the world. And uh, the church is not a building physically. It's not an organization or denomination, uh, although there are those aspects to it. The church is people. Jesus is about building people, you and I together, which is our theme this year. And so we are the church Jesus is building, but in another way, you and I are called to be builders of the church. Paul described himself as a co-builder, a fellow laborer with Jesus. And so every one of us in the room, if you're following Jesus, Jesus would like you on the building site helping him to build his church. If you've ever been on a building site, you need some tools. And uh, tools haven't changed much over the years. I mean, we've still got a shovel and a saw and a hammer and a screwdriver. Uh, tools, pretty simple, pretty basic. Uh, there's something called power tools. Anyone like power tools? Yeah. Ah, a couple of the blokes just went, vroom, plug it in, and I'm involved. Power tools take things to a new level. Electric saw, electric drill, uh, power tools are phenomenal. You know, the, the key is not having tools. The key is using the tools you have. I thought the ladies would have said a, a bigger amen there. You know, most of us have a lot of tools at home. Some were in the garage, packed away. Some we paid a lot of money for. It's not about having tools. It's about using the tools we already have. And so I want to share with you today some power tools that you already have. You don't need to go to Bible colleges to get them. You've already got them. But I want to encourage you and myself to use them a little bit more consistently, a little bit more regularly. How does that sound? You know I'm going to do it anyway, but I thought I'd just check with you. Well, let's jump into our toolbox and talk about some tools for building God's house. The first tool, number one, is love. We're going to read 1 Peter 4, 8 to 9, coming up on the screen now. Peter, writing to some followers of Jesus back in the first century, says, Above all, ooh, sounds like an important tool. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. You know, the measure of a great church is not the size of the church, it's not the quality of the building or the gifts or even the anointing in the church, it's the love that people have for one another and for the world around them. And so Peter says, hey, hey, don't forget, one of the most important tools you have in your toolbox is the tool of love. And then he gets very specific, he says, don't forget to be hospitable. Hospitable. hospitable means to be welcoming to the newcomer. It means to be friendly. It needs to be looking out, not looking in. L little example. Uh, Joshua, you come to help me? I just want you to do a little drama here. Joshua, you be the visitor today. So Joshua's going to stand here. I need about six other people just to come. Want to be part of our drama team? Here's your moment. Six people. Come on. Come on. Who else? Who else? I need, need a couple of girls. Come on, Haley. Anyone else? Okay. Now, I want you to get in a circle. Just come forward. We've been practicing this all morning. Jump into a circle. And uh, uh, Joshua, come over here. Uh, at the count of three, I want you to be friendly. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, let's try this again. I think you got another level. I think you got another level. Ready? One, two, three. Hey, hey, don't mess up my skip. Be friendly. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, pause. Is this a friendly church? 
Is this a friendly church? It looks pretty friendly, doesn't it? Sometimes we think being friendly means being friendly to our friends. The person who determines the friendliness of the church is the visitor. Joshua, is this a friendly church? Well, they did gesture at me to come in, but otherwise they're you're, you're too kind. Just say no. <laughs> they didn't come to me. Yes, they're not friendly. The visitor determines whether the church is friendly or not. Sometimes we come to church and we just catch up with our friends. What we've got to do is break out of our circle. That's your cue. Don't, don't overwhelm them. <laughs> Say, hey, what's your name? Awesome. Give our drama team a big clap today. Now, I know that's really deep for a Sunday morning. But I'm telling you, one act of hospitality is incredibly powerful. My last church, I was in the foyer one Sunday. I was meeting some people. I met a couple, and I said, oh, you're new. They said, yeah, we've been here about four weeks. I said, oh, how are you settling in? They said, the first Sunday we were here, you had that little time where people turn around, an elderly couple turned around, introduced themselves to us, and invited us for coffee afterwards. And we've been here ever since. I said, who was that? They said, Trevor and Jean Matthews. Now, Trevor and Jean Matthews never been up on the platform, never been elders, never been board members, never been on staff. But that one act of hospitality did as much to build our church as any sermon I've ever given. See, people like Joshua will pass by church after church after church to find a place where it matters that you're there. It's a powerful tool is to not only love, but to be hospitable and to break out. Don't just come here and be friendly with your friends. Look for the person standing alone. Have a smile. Come on, put a smile on. You look better with a smile. We don't have Jesus on DVD, the, the real Jesus, but it tells me something about Jesus when it says children ran towards him. What kind of people do children run towards? Not someone baptized in lemon juice. With a smile on their face. Have a smile. Learn someone's name. Hey, what's your name? Joshua, good to meet you. Jesus called people by name. Hey, Zacchaeus, let's do lunch. Not, hey, little guy. Hey, shorty. Hey, bro. Zacchaeus. Smile. Learn someone's name. This is a powerful tool. Second tool. Peter goes on in verse 10 and says, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Here's our second tool. First one is to love, to be hospitable, to be looking out for the new person. Secondly is to use. <laughs> We've all got the tools. We've all, every one of us have gifts and abilities, but are you using them to serve others. And uh, Bayside wouldn't be what it is today without many of you serving. But the danger in a big church like Bayside is some of you new ones can look around and go, they don't need me here. The truth is there's not one ministry in Bayside with a no vacancy sign on it. <laughs> you are needed. And you know, when you start to use your gifts, instead of saying, I'll go to that church, you say, that's my church. There's a sense of ownership when you begin to serve. Jesus said the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. You know, the opportunities here for Bayside are phenomenal. What we need is more workers, more people to begin to serve, to use their gift. And so that's the second powerful tool for building God's church. Number three, as we shuffle through our toolbox, is the tool of worship. 
Uh, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting. That was your cue. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, Worship, of course, is a lifestyle, something we do 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We live a life of worship to God. But something special happens when we gather together. Did you know even Jesus had a habit of gathering with other people of faith? Luke 4.16, Luke 4.16, Jesus went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom. Oh, Jesus had a habit, a custom, a ritual, a routine of every weekend gathering with people of faith. It doesn't say Jesus went to the synagogue when Rabbi so-and-so was speaking. Come on, work with me. Jesus just had this habit of gathering together. How many think if Jesus had that habit, it's a good habit for you and I to gather together. There's always reasons why you may be away or can't come, but just the discipline of gathering together. But not just coming. How we come has a big impact on what happens in this space. Um, Years ago, I was involved in the worship ministry. Um, It was back in the 1990s. Anyone remember the 90s? So last century, isn't it? 1990s, some of you were around. Um, And uh, I was uh, involved in worship ministry. I had a call. Uh, There was a a singer from America coming out doing a worship tour. His name was Ron Canoli. Anyone remember Ron Canoli? Lift him up. And so I was asked to play keyboards. And I went, oh, okay, I will. And so I was a little nervous because I had to learn all the songs. And they were a little bit more complicated than the old, this is the day. Anyway, so I practiced all the songs. And uh, this uh, Ron arrived, Afro-American, dynamic worship leader, and a whole crew of professional musicians. And so we, we went to the first city. And it was a big church in this city. We got there early. We had a fantastic rehearsal. And uh, we had a fantastic prayer time. We were really pumped for this meeting. And so we, we, we went out on stage, huge church. I'm off to the side just playing keyboards. And the meeting started. And it was just really hard going. It's one of those meetings where you kind of wonder where God was. It was just a bit flat. It was just difficult. You know, Ron did his best. We're playing our heart out. But it was just, just kind of an average meeting. Anyway, went back to the hotel. Next morning, got up on the plane, went to another city. Our flight was two or three hours late. In fact, we got to the church building in the second city so late, the place was already pretty full. We couldn't even have a sound check. We didn't even get on stage. And the only prayer was, help us, God. We jumped on stage, same song list. Ron told the exact same stories. I'm over here by the keyboards. And the meeting exploded. Excuse the volcanology example. The meeting just took off. It was electric. It was dynamic. The atmosphere was phenomenal. Ron was released and did some spontaneous things. God did some incredible things. And I'm, I'm just, I'm on the keyboards. I'm going, what's different tonight than last night? Tonight, we didn't practice, and we didn't pray. Maybe that's the key to a great meeting. (laughs) Don't practice, don't pray. Because that's the only difference. And I I, I realized it was nothing to do with us. And I learned there's something called a corporate anointing. See, sometimes we think a great meeting is, let's hope the worship team have really prayed today. Let's hope this Mark Connor does a decent message this morning. Sometimes we think it's all up here. I learned 
you and I contribute to the atmosphere of what happens in a meeting. You know, Jesus had some meetings that didn't go too well. It's kind of funny, isn't it? It's like, Jesus, haven't you been praying enough? Dear God, dear Jesus, dear, dear, you know. And it was nothing to do with Jesus. It's the response of the people. And so when you and I come expecting and responsive and participating, we affect what happens in the meeting. You know, I love sport, and um, I love to go to footy games, and uh, not just watch the, the, the game, but watch people. <laughs> Have you noticed real fans? They're, they're pretty crazy, aren't they? Real fans always get to the game early. Not Christian standard time. They get to the game early. Real fans turn up regardless of the weather. It's not it's raining, I may not go to the game today. Real fans rush to the front seats. It's okay, all the seats here are good. Uh, real fans, um, you know, have you noticed that the, the price of uh, sports tickets have been going up every year? Like it gets more expensive every year, the, the tickets go up. You know, tithing's been at 10% for about 3,000 years now. Like, it's still 10. It hasn't, it hasn't gone 11, 12, 13. It's still 10. I've also noticed at footy games, people that are a little bit more quiet and shy and introverted morph into this enthusiastic kind of animal. You're going to go, where did that come from? How many know the Bible does not say, clap your hands, all you introvert, extroverted people? It's amazing when you watch fans and then you think about Jesus, who's the greatest hero. I think there's some real fans here at Bayside. Come on, where's all the Jesus fans? Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. Come on. Uh, funny story. I got a friend named Phil Baker who pastored uh, a church in, in Perth for many years, and uh, he's got a real sense of humor. And uh, after a church service, he told me this lady came up and said, Oh, Pastor, I really don't want to criticize, uh, but I didn't get anything out of the worship today. And uh, Phil, who's just funny as a circus, dry humor, just straight face said, oh, I'm so sorry. There's been a misunderstanding. We weren't worshiping you. It's funny, but it's true. See, the question is not, did you and I enjoy the worship today? The question is, did God get anything out of our worship today? Because it's actually for him. Amen. Great tool. Worship. Ooh, great, great tool for building the church of Jesus Christ. Another tool, number four, is to pray. Basic tools, been around for a long time. Are we using them? First Timothy 2, 1 to 4, I urge then, first of all, oh, another important tool, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, especially for kings and those in authority. Prayer is a powerful tool. And we're to pray for ourselves and our families and our friends and our own needs. Paul says, in your prayers, make sure you pray for leaders. Uh, leaders aren't better than other people. They just carry a lot of extra responsibility. And so they need our prayer because they're often at the point of attack. And so, you know, I was on staff for 32 years, and I'm not a believer that church staff work harder than anywhere else or pastors work harder than any, anyone else. It's just that church work is different. It's unique. It has some unique challenges. Uh, firstly, ministry is never done. There's never a moment when you go, it is finished. Weekends come around about every seven days. 
They're kind of relentless. On Talkback Radio on Friday, you'll hear someone say, thank God it's Friday. Most pastors are going, oh God, it's Friday. Because the weekend's coming, and the weekend's kind of a big deal. And then a lot of stuff happens between weekends. Ministry is relentless. It just keeps coming at you. It's never finished. Uh, secondly, like small business owners would understand, uh, ministry, there are no boundaries. It will fill as much of your life as you allow it to. People don't die, get sick, have issues during your 9 to 5 schedule. Talked to a pastor this week, not from Bayside, had lunch with him. He says, oh, a few Sundays ago, one o'clock, um, a woman from church texted me with, with an issue. I looked at it. It wasn't super urgent. So I, I answered her on Monday afternoon. And uh, he said the next Sunday, she came up and said, I texted you on Sunday. I didn't hear back till Monday. I thought pastors were on call 24-7. And he smiled and said, not this pastor. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? You wouldn't expect your doctor to be on call 24-7, but we kind of think pastors are just there waiting for us. Uh, you know, ministry fills as much of your life as you allow it to. Uh, surprisingly, not everyone likes you, which is amazing because we're, we're incredible people. Um, sometimes you're visible when you don't want to be visible. I had a day off a few years ago, and my wife was uh, in a shop, and I just went to the men's toilet in the shopping center. I'm at the urinal doing what men do. And someone leant over and said, excuse me, are you Mark Connor? True story. I thought, man, you can't even pee in peace. He'd seen me at some conference and he wanted a chat. Not now. This is just, it's just kind of part of the territory. And the other thing for, for church leaders, you can never please everyone all of the time. You just can't. The music was a little long. It's a little short. The preaching was a bit short, a bit long. It's a bit deep. It's a bit shallow. It's too, much jo too many jokes, too dry. Uh, the lights are too bright. It's a bit dark. We're not having enough about the Holy Spirit, not enough about missions, not enough about social justice, too much about social justice. Again, it doesn't happen in Bayside, but in other churches, it's like you can just never please everybody all of the time. No wonder pastors get a little discouraged. All I'm saying is pray for your leaders. Don't let them hear from you when you've got a complaint. Encourage them and lift up their hands. It's a powerful tool. A couple more tools. We're still a ways off 3 o'clock, so just relax. <laughs> Number five, fifth tool is protect the unity. Oh, Ephesians 4 verse 3, make every effort. Okay, this tool's a little heavy. Got to lift it up. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. United, Bayside will stand. Divided, it will fall. The enemy always seeks to divide marriages, families, workplaces, businesses, nations, and churches. And so the issue is not will offenses happen. They will happen. It's are we going to protect the unity? Uh, it's as simple as this. I'll pick on Jimmy today because he's got big shoulders. Uh, Jimmy and I have a bit of an argument, some intense fellowship, and it gets a little heated. He gets angry. I get angry. Uh, he's annoyed. I'm annoyed. And so we walk away. He storms off. I storm off. Uh, Jimmy's talking to Emma in the afternoon. He says, Mark Connor, he just kind of blew his stack like a volcano. Um, just kind of lost it. And got so angry at me. And then Emma's talking to Daniel and says, you know, Mark Connor's got an anger problem. And Daniel goes, really? Really? Seems like such a nice guy. And then Daniel's talking to Andrew and says, you know, Mark Connor's a violent man. <laughs> violent man. And Andrew's talking to Moses over here and says, you know, Mark Connor's not the real deal. He's actually a con man. 
Connor, con man. And Moses is talking to his friend and says, you know, Mark Connor's an axe murderer. Now, how many can see the story's got a little bit out of hand? Have you noticed that it's kind of exaggerated? Now, again, this happens in a lot of churches, not Bayside, but other churches this happens in. How many know when I'm hanging around these people, they're a little bit cool towards me? Axe murderer, con man, violent man. I haven't done anything to them, but they've already formed an opinion about me because of a rumor, a gossip chain that has spread. Now, how many know it's all Jimmy's fault? Because Jesus said, when someone offends you, go. Everyone say go. And you know, because you've been to Bible college, that the Greek word for the English word go in the original language, go means go. Doesn't mean pass it on. Doesn't mean pray. Doesn't mean share. It means go. And if Jimmy and I can sort it out here, we don't need all of this happening. I tell you, this is powerful if you get this. See, all of us have got two buckets with us every day, a bucket of kerosene and a bucket of water. And as you travel through life, you're going to hear little spot fire rumors of stuff going on. And you can put the kerosene on it and go, really? What happened? Then what happened? Tell me more. And the fire just grows. Or you can get the bucket of water and go, are you sure that happened? That seems a little out of character. Have you chatted to that person? Hey, why don't we go talk to them now? Can you see the difference in the responses? And it's all about protecting the unity. And it's not about who's right. You know, when my boys were little, got to 20-somethings now, when they were little, they used to fight. When my boys are fighting, whose side am I, there, uh, am I on? They all want me to be on their side, of course. I don't have favorites. But when my boys are fighting, you know what my heart as a father is? Stop fighting your brothers. Now, who hit who? What happened? The issues are secondary to the relationship. And in church, as the family of God, you know what? We've got to value being reconciled more than being right. We're going to value the relationship more than the issue. Powerful tool. All of you have got it in your toolbox. But it takes effort to protect the unity of the church. Two more tools. Number six, give. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. Your barns will be filled to overflowing. Honor the Lord with the first part of your income. If we all do this, we'll have enough resources at Bayside for the vision God's given us. You know, the gospel's free, but it costs money to get the news out to uh, have buildings, to employ staff, to feed the poor. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Someone's paying for it. And it's all about us giving, doing our part. You know, when it comes to money, as I've said before, we need a bit of a paradigm shift in how we see our money. Funny story, there was a businessman waiting to get on an airplane, and he was dressed nicely, suit, tie, and he bought himself a bag of donuts. Remember those jam donuts with the sugar, really nice. So he bought some donuts and he sat down and he's waiting for the uh, boarding call to be announced. And as he sits down, a uh, bag of donuts on the table in front of him, there's a kind of a scruffly dressed man across from him, unshaven, long hair, just looked like he needed a shower. And uh, anyway, the businessman grabs a donut, uh, eating the donut, uh, reading his uh, magazine. And this scruffy man across from him reaches out and eats one of the donuts. He's kind of going, 
what's up with that? You know. Anyway, he grabs another donut and eats it. Oh, the man across the room just smiles and reaches out and eats another donut. I mean, the businessman's going, how rude can you be and still breathe? Like, it's unbelievable. And so he has another donut. It goes on. Eventually, there's one donut left, and the businessman grabs the, the bag the boarding call's been made now. He gives the guy a bit of a, bit of a scowl, scrowl, and gra- grabs the last donut, heads off. He's boarding, and he's going, man, I can't believe the, the rudeness of people nowadays. Anyway, he's getting on board, business class, of course, and as he's taking his jacket off, he feels a bit of a, a bump in his pocket, and he opens his pocket, and there's a bag of donuts. And he has a paradigm shift. See, that bag of donuts was actually not his. It was the other man's. Some of you will get this after lunch. Who was the rude person? The businessman's donuts were in his pocket. He thought they were his donuts and the other man's eating his. Actually, he was eating the other man's donuts and the guy had the nerve to still smile at him. What's the point? What's the point? Well, if you think all the donuts are yours, God says, could you give me one or two? You kind of... But when you realize all the donuts are his and he's the donut maker... And he says, you know, just give me one or two and you can keep the rest. You go, good deal. Good deal. Thank you for that enthusiastic response. (laughs) Number seven, final point. We're going to finish before three. uh, Is to reach out. To reach out. I love the scripture in Luke 15. Jesus speaking. I tell you, there's more joy, more rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents than 99 Righteous persons who don't need to repent. More joy. I reckon heaven's a joyful place. I reckon when we're fellowshipping, heaven's joyful. When we're worshipping, heaven's joyful. When we're interviewing three great new staff members, Philip, Joshua, Andre, Andre, heaven's rejoicing. Hopefully when the preaching's on today, heaven's still rejoicing. Heaven's joyful all the time. But Jesus says the joy level in heaven goes up. There's more joy in heaven when? When one person who feels disconnected, feels far from God, finds a relationship with God. That tells me heaven's priority is outreach. Um, See, most churches exist for three reasons. We're here to love God, love each other, and reach the world. If you ever think about it, if we're only here for one and two, we might as well go to heaven now. Because up in heaven, we'll see God face to face. Up in heaven, you'll be easier to love because you'll be perfect. Come on. If we're only here to love God and each other, let's go there now. The only reason we're still here is God is long-suffering, not wanting anyone to miss out. And so we need to have a heart for outreach, for reaching out. You know, people come to faith through a journey. Think of your own life. It's a journey with many steps. In fact, someone described it like a chain with many links. And sometime in someone's life, you're the first link on their spiritual journey. Maybe the first Christian they meet. Maybe the first person they even talk about is there a God. Often... Sometimes we're the first link. Sometimes we're the last link who sees a person cross the line of faith and begin a relationship with God. Most often, we're one of the middle links. Just don't be the missing link. You don't have to do the whole journey. You don't have to take people from here to here. You just got to be able to do your part when you connect with someone to help them be more open to faith in God. 
just a journey, and we can all do our part. A funny story uh, had happened a few years ago. Um, I shared with the church uh, over in Cheltenham. Uh, we were on holidays up in Queensland. I was tired, been a busy ministry year, and so we're going out from Cairns to Green Island and uh, do a bit of snorkeling. And so we're on the boat heading out. Uh, across from me was a couple. I just said, hi. Uh, they happened to be from Sri Lanka. And uh, I said, oh, great to meet you. They were, they were moving to Melbourne. We said, hey, we're, we're, we're from Melbourne too. Maybe we could catch up when you get down there. Anyway, went out, snorkeled, saw lots of fish. I got sunburned. They didn't. Um, <laughs> we're on the way back on the boat. And hey, wasn't that a great day? And so I got their number, said, great to meet you. Might see you sometime in Melbourne. That was it. N nothing more than that. Anyway, I got back to Melbourne, and uh, I found a couple from Sri Lanka in our church. Raj and Shamala. And I said, hey, we met this couple from Sri Lanka on their way to Melbourne. Here's the number. Would you mind giving him a call? Totally forgot about it. Anyway, unbeknownst to us, Raj and Shamala had this couple stay in their home for 10 days, helped them find a rental in Melbourne, got the guy settled into his job, just welcomed them, helped them find a sense of home here in Melbourne. Then on Sunday, they said, hey, we got a church. You want to come? Well, the husband, a bit of Buddhist background, but he was pretty open. The wife had heard of Jesus. said, yeah, yeah, look, I'll come along. So they came along to our church. I forgot to tell them I was a pastor. And so I got up to preach that Sunday. I wasn't in my snorkeling gear now. And so I gave a message. And at the end, we had some prayer time. They both came forward and they said a prayer and they began a relationship with Jesus. Now, now, I don't share that to promote myself because I miss opportunities. I just want you to show, see the process there. We just met people where they're at. Love them. Be a blessing. Build a relationship with them. Meet, the, uh, meet, meet a need. And then people's hearts open. I read about this in Luke 10 uh, where Jesus trains his people. We often think we've got to go preach the gospel or stand on the street corner and turn or burn. And we wonder why no one's listening. No, we just, just need to be reaching out. And God strategically placed every one of you this week where you are to reach out to people around you. Amen? So, final slide. Seven powerful tools. There's many more, but we've looked at seven powerful tools. You don't need to go to Bible college. Uh, you've already got, you, well, you can, but you don't need to go to Bible college to get these tools. We've all got these tools. Imagine a church where everyone is loving, serving, worshiping, praying, protecting the unity, giving, reaching out. You would have nothing short of revival in that church. And you know what? I kind of think that's God's plan for Bayside. And so that's going to happen as all of us do our part. And so as we wrap this up today, um, let me ask you a couple of questions. Was there one tool that God just kind of tapped you on the shoulder about? The goal of this message isn't for you to leave here with seven more things to do. We're busy people. What one tool did the Holy Spirit speak to you about? Maybe it's when this meeting finishes, instead of rushing off, just take a couple of minutes and look for someone standing alone. Walk out of your way and say, hi, what's your name? Great to have you here today. Maybe that's, that's your response. Or maybe it's you've been sitting here for a while and you go, I'm not sure... And it's talking to a leader and saying, hey, I'd, I'd like to get involved. Where can I help? Maybe it's just a different attitude to the worship experience. Maybe it's just in your own prayer life, just starting to pray for your leaders, the staff, the board, Pastor Rob and Christy. Uh, maybe there's a phone call you need to make. Maybe there's a bit of a spot fire that's just kind of raging and causing some damage. And you could go, hey, can we talk about this? 
I don't know what your response is today, but as we all do our part, uh, God will do some amazing things. Uh, maybe you're here and you go, you know what, I'm so busy building my house, I haven't even thought about God's house. It's an amazing promise in the Word that if you'll put God's house first, He'll actually help build your house. And so maybe for you, it's a priority shift today. Or maybe you're doing all seven of these, and you say, I'm doing all seven of these, and I'm kind of going through a tough time. Where's the blessing? Well, the Bible says, don't be weary in doing good. But at the right time, there's always a delay between what we sow and what we reap. You, you, you will reap a harvest. God will work in your life. Let me pray for you. Father, today, thank you for sending Jesus, not just to die on a cross for the redemption of the world, but to build a church, to build people. And uh, we're so excited to be a part of the church that you're building. But we also want to be builders with you. And so I pray for everyone here today that's following you, Jesus, that they would see themselves as partners with you. We've got all these tools. May we use them. And may the power of the Holy Spirit flow through these simple yet powerful tools to see Bayside go from strength to strength this year. Finally, for those that are here today that may not even believe in you, may not be sure that you're real, may not even know you, today would you reveal yourself to them, that you love them and you want them to know your salvation and you want to call them to a life of significant contribution. And so reach out to them today. Give us a great day and a great week. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. God bless you, Bayside. See you next time.